Good morning. To those who do not know me, my name, my name is Eli, and uh, I'm a member here at the church, and it's my joy to open with you God's Word today. Um, but before that, I have a question for you. Can you imagine summer without an air condition? If you were with us two weeks ago when we had a problem with a generator, that would help you imagine better. Because it's unbearable, especially with the heat wave that we experienced in the past, past two weeks. If the AC was not invented, not only we will lose the comfort in having a cool room in the midst of heat, but many things will be affected, many industries, many businesses, and we won't be able to eat chocolate during summer. That's true. Can you imagine going through four months without chocolate? I mean, we will all get in shape and lose weight, but honestly, it's not worth it. <laughs> so we thank God for the air condition. So who, who invented this machine, and what is the root of all these cooling and air conditioning machines? Two words, Willis Carrier, Willis Carrier, a 25-year-old experimental engineer who invented the AC in 1922. Remember his name and give thanks to God for him. The history of inventing this machine, honestly, is very interesting, but it all goes to one root, Willis Carrier. Our sermon title today is The Root of All Blessings. The Root of All Blessings. Just that, like there is one root to all the air conditioning machines, there is only one root to all blessings. Today, we continue our series in the Psalms of Ascents, and today we're going to look at Psalm 128. As we, we've heard from our brothers during the past weeks, these psalms were sang during uh, when the pilgrims were ascended to Jerusalem uh, to the festivals to the Passover, to the uh, Pentecost, to the Feast of Booths. And so they sang these psalms. Our psalm today, our psalm's writer is unknown, but this psalm is a close companion to Psalm 127 with its focus on family. Last week, we heard from Brother Mike how to trust the Lord in building our family. And today, we will see the blessings that result from that. So let us open our Bibles, or you can follow on the screen, to Psalm 128. How happy is the man, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy, and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house your children like young olive trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion, so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. The psalmist here starts with a very interesting statement. How blessed, meaning how happy, is everyone who fears. How happy, who fears. 
How can anyone who fears be happy? Or how can fear bring out happiness? Think of something that you fear. I fear snakes. I do fear snakes. I've never been encountered by one, and I hope I never will. But if the Lord allows this to happen, I cannot imagine that I will be at the same time happy. I will not be smiling at the snake. Maybe I'll be screaming or running or I don't know what I will do. Maybe I will freeze, but I will definitely not be happy. Fear usually doesn't go along with happiness, and it's not something that brings happiness, but there's an exception where these two can go along really well. It's only when we fear the Lord. Only when we fear the Lord. The world lives and thinks the opposite. The world thinks that by living away from God, without having His fear in their hearts, they can enjoy life and have happiness. But how fool that is. Because the fear of, of the Lord brings happiness. What does it mean to fear the Lord as per this psalm? The psalmist says, How happy is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. Which means to fear the Lord is to walk in his ways. And to walk in his ways means to obey his word. Therefore, to fear the Lord is to obey him, is to live in obedience to him. Spurgeon says, if the heart is joined to God, the feet will follow hard after him. A man's heart will be seen in his walk, and the blessing will come where heart and walk are both with God. We can see fear and happiness in many places and references in Scripture. For example, Psalm 112, it opens like this, Praise the Lord, how, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. How happy, who fears, who delights in his commandments. Even the early church in Acts 9.31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase in the fear and the comfort. In the fear and the comfort. And if we want to summarize with one sentence, one statement, all the psalm, we can say, fearing and obeying the Lord is the root of all blessings. Fearing and obeying the Lord is the root of all blessings. Definitely, this psalm speak about, speaks about happiness and blessedness in the Lord. Three times he says, how happy. Verse 1, you will be happy. Verse 2, you will be blessed. The Lord, uh, in this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed in verse 4. The fear of the Lord has its appropriate rewards. You most certainly will be blessed. Before speaking of these blessings, and I'm sure you're encouraged to hear about these blessings, I think it's important to start by answering the question, how am I to fear the Lord? How should I, should I fear the Lord? We will meditate on three points today. First, the absence of the fear of the Lord in the ungodly, the fear of the Lord in the godly, and the blessings of fearing and obeying the Lord. 
let us start with point one, the absence of the fear of the Lord in the ungodly. There is no fear of the Lord in the ungodly. Paul in Romans 3 describes every human being in sin before coming to faith in Christ. And this is how this, he describes us. He says in verse 10, Romans 3:10, there is no righteous, not even one, no one who does good. And then in verse 13, he says, their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their path, and the path of peace they have not known. And then he summarizes this section with one statement. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is why the, the world lives in sin in the way that he lives. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They do not know God, therefore they do not fear God. Isaiah the prophet, in chapter 5, before seeing the vision, seeing the Lord and His majesty and His holiness, he was proclaiming six woes on those who sin. Six times he said, woe to those. For example, he said, woe to those who rise early to drink. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who are wise in their eyes, etc. But in chapter 6, in his book, after seeing the Lord in his holiness, he said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Woe is me, for I am ruined. Why? Because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. Now I can see who the Lord truly is, and I am terrified. He was literally terrified. One time I was sharing the gospel with a relative, long time ago, and I remember his response, and, and it went like this. He said, don't worry, I will manage it with him as if God is his body. I was so sad to hear that statement, but I think if I can go back to that conversation, I would say, no, no, you won't. No, you can't. You will not be able to say a word before him if you're not clothed with Christ's righteousness. You will not be able to say a single word. Just like a good judge who pours the fiercest judgment on the worst criminal, God will pour his wrath on the sinner who rejected him, who continually had no fear in his heart toward his creator. And that's a fact. In the Old Testament, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom and wisdom itself. So friend, if you have not come to Christ yet in faith and repentance, be wise and come to Christ this morning. Scripture says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God, because of His great love and rich mercy, has provided the gift of salvation to the undeserving sinner to the ungodly, to the one who has no fear in his heart, in him. 
So the fear of God starts by obeying him in repentance, knowing that your sins are against a holy and righteous God who will eventually bring justice to this world. He will do it. And by trusting Christ, who took the wrath of God over sin on behalf of all who will believe in him because of his great love. Listen to what Paul says to the people at Athens. In Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, Paul says, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent. There is a commandment from God to all people everywhere to repent. Why? Because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided a proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. There will come a day when the Lord will judge all those who didn't put their faith in Christ, and it is written that he will throw them into the lake of fire, and this is something to fear. This is something to fear. To fear for the ungodly, but to rejoice for the godly. And for those who have put their faith in Christ, they can rejoice because they are saved from that judgment. Jesus took that judgment, took that wrath on behalf of us. And because the root of all blessings is the fear of the Lord and is by obeying Him, the moment each and every person believes in Christ, he, re he receives salvation, forgiveness, eternal life, adoption, righteousness, new heart, and new life in Christ, and so many more blessings. And church, we were one of those ungodly. But God, by His grace, because of His great love and rich mercy, He shone in our hearts with the gospel of Christ. We now know God through the face of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it all goes back to what He did in our hearts. So there is no fear of the Lord in the ungodly, but there is a fear of the Lord in those who are godly. And this takes us to point number two. The fear of the Lord in the godly, those who walk in His ways. The fear of God in the godly. After repenting and trusting Christ for our sins, we continue to have this fear. Actually, we grow in it. And it, it is expressed in our lives by a lifetime of obedience. Someone defined the fear of the Lord like this. It is a healthy respect and reverence for God stemming from the knowledge of God and resulting in obedience. I'll say it again. It is a healthy respect and reverence for God stemming from the knowledge of God and resulting in obedience obedience. The more we read and study scripture and the more we know who God is in his majesty, in his holiness, in his love, in his power, we fear him more and we obey him no more. Just like a child who knows that his father is the great king, he always remember that the great king is his father. It's a healthy 
fear in and of the Lord. And since the fear of the Lord equals walking in his ways, this means that it requires a lasting commitment. It's walking in his ways. It's a continuous action. And it includes trusting in the Lord daily, being forgiven by him daily, delighting in his word daily, keeping his word daily, hating evil daily, and hoping in his loyal love daily. Christianity is not a touristic trip to a site, an attractive site that you visit once in a lifetime. It's not a, it's not a weekly visit to the church, but it's a daily walk with the Lord. It's a lasting commitment. It's a life of fearing and obeying the Lord. So fearing and obeying the Lord is the root of all blessing, blessings. It starts by repenting, trusting Christ, and it continues as we grow in the knowledge of God and His grace. As you've seen, there are many blessings written in Psalm 128. But I want to take your attention to, to the point that those blessings are directly related to Deuteronomy 28, the reading that our brother Joseph read. When you see and look at Deuteronomy 28, you see that the Lord said, if you obey my word, if you obey my commandments, you will have these blessings. And they are almost exactly the same as the ones that are mentioned in this psalm. So when we read this psalm, we should be careful how to apply those promises in our lives today. And I'm saying this because we... Many times when we open our Bible and we read a promise, what do we do? We directly link it to us, to our present situation, and take it as a promise to our lives today, to our present. Many times we do not examine the context and see if this promise is given even to me. Many promises in the Old Testament are to us, but many others are not. So when you go through a promise, especially in the Old Testament, I want you to ask these questions. To whom was this promise given and when? What was the situation? Question number two, was it a conditional promise or unconditional for its fulfillment? Number three, was it given to specific people at a specific time or was it given or was it an absolute promise that applies to all people at all times? These are very important questions to ask so that we know how to apply the word of God faithfully and accurately to our lives today. And I'm saying this because in the Old Testament, people saw God's blessings in relation to family, work, money, and health. While we in the, in the New Testament are to see God's blessings spiritually, where we were blessed in every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ Jesus. We have been blessed, and not saying that the Lord doesn't bless us more, but I'm saying that there are no absolute promises that God will give you money, or that God will give you family, or that God will give you health and wealth. Those are not absolute promises, no, but the Lord is able to do that and does that, but it's not 
general to everyone who believes. So fearing and obeying the Lord is the root of all blessings, and let us see those blessings and see how they apply to our lives today in the New Testament. So the blessings, point number three, the blessings of fearing and obeying the Lord. Blessing number one is mentioned in verse number two, and it is blessing in your labor. Blessing in your work. It says, you will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy, and it will go well for you. The Lord will bless what you do for living. Linking this to Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy verse 4 and 5, it says, your offspring will be blessed, your, ha your lands produce, the offspring of your livestock including the young of your herds and the newborn of your flocks. Your basting, basket and kneading bowl will be blessed. Those are absolute promises to the people of that day. But let us, let us think of it and consider it even today. When we're speaking about these blessings, always remember that we're speaking about blessings to those who fear the Lord to those who walk in his ways, to those who obey his word. So in the New Testament, the, the man who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, should be someone who is not lazy, right? Should be someone who is a hard worker, who is diligent in his job, who is faithful and wise in what he is given to do. We are even called to work heartily as to the Lord and to submit to our managers knowing that our reward from the Lord is from the Lord because we are eventually serving Him. Therefore, there is a blessing in fearing the Lord. If a man who fears the Lord and works this way, generally speaking, the Lord will bless his labor. The Lord will bless his work. Add to that, every time we work hardly, there is a sense of joy and contentment in that, right? This is why the psalmist says, you will be happy and it will go well for you. And this principle applies also to church and church work and especially for elders. This is what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.17. Listen to what he said. The elders who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor. They are considered to be worthy of double honor. Why? Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching because they are working hard. They are faithfully doing what the Lord has given them to do. So they are worthy of double honor. He is giving this, this command to the people of the church. So how to the God of the church? who will honor those who will work hard, those who will be faithful at their own job. So there is blessing to the one who is faithful in what he does if he works in fear of the Lord. In addition to the personal blessing of one's labor, the blessing extends to wife and family. Wife and family. And to those who are single between us, don't exclude yourself or think, okay, uh, this is not for me. No, remember that this 
psalm speaks about first those who fear the Lord. It encourages us to fear the Lord and to walk in his ways. To blessing, so blessing number two is in your marriage. This is what is said to that man. Verse 3a, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. In scripture, the vine symbolizes fruitfulness. And fruitful refers to multiplying descendants. Because Jews saw bearing children as a blessing and, the, and barrenness as a curse. This is how they saw it. So no doubt, also as we have seen last week with Brother Mike, sons are indeed a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Indeed, children are a blessing. Deuteronomy 28 also said, your offspring will be blessed. But we're not saying that if the Lord doesn't give children to someone, this person is not walking with him. We're not saying this. This is why we said these are not absolute promises. Because sometimes the Lord chooses to take us in a different path for his glory. And he knows why and how to walk with us, with us through it. The vine also, the wife who is likened to the vine, extends its branches, go, its branches go forth all around the place. My father-in-law used to have a vine in their garden. And it's just in one place, but it just go all through all the place. You know that. Maybe you have seen that. So this is how the wife extends the welfare to all the family, not only in bearing children, but also in working hard, being also not lazy, not a self-centered woman, but a hard worker at home and maybe out of the home for the welfare of her family. And this is how this excellent woman is described in Proverbs 31. In our premarital counseling, Silvana, my wife, and I, I have learned that as a godly husband, I'm, I'm called to be three things. Lover, leader, and a provider. And this applies to every husband. We are called to be lovers, leaders, and providers. We are to love in the same way as much as we can as Christ loved his church. Sacrificial love. We are to forgive. Not saying that our wives sin more than us, but we are to forgive one another, both of us. As husbands, we are to love as Christ loved his church. We are also to lead our family spiritually daily to the Lord. And we are also called to be providers to the needs of our family. Even if it takes us to work more than one or two jobs, we are called to provide for our family. So if a man who fears the Lord does that, is a faithful lover, and a good leader, and a diligent provider, you can imagine how the Lord will bless that man 
with his wife and family. So this applies to those who fear God and walk in his ways and vice versa. Being a God-fearing woman will bring a blessing to your husband and to your children. This is why Proverbs 31 ends like this. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. The man and the woman and also the children will be blessed in a God-fearing family. Blessing number three, blessing with your children. Blessing with your children. We can see it in verse 3, B, the second part, the psalmist says, your children like young olive trees around your table. The Lord will bless you with your children. There seems to be at least two reasons why the children are, are likened to olive trees. At least two reasons. The olive tree grows very slowly but attains a great age. It is difficult to kill the olive tree by cutting it down because new sprouts are sent up and they grow the tree again. This symbolizes what the psalmist also mentioned in verse 5, may you see your children's children. Where because olive trees are strong, live long, and bear fruits, that's how the children of the God-fearing man will be. Reason number two Sometimes olive trees don't bear fruits but after 40 years. Sometimes, not all the times. And it is, the, the olive tree is a symbol of long life and productivity. So are the children within the household of, of faith. They are not like grass, which is here today and gone tomorrow. Rather, they are olive trees that in due time bear their fruits. The parents who fear the Lord, they will love their children. They will labor and work hard to provide for their needs. They will instruct them in the ways of the Lord and train them with patience, kindness, and love. They will be praying for them daily to know the Lord and to walk in His ways. And by God's grace, the influence of such parents will be on the children and on their children as well. And this is by God's grace. And this is who we are called to be. So the psalm here speaks about the blessings of fearing and obeying the Lord. And he said, the root of all blessings starts by fearing and obeying the Lord. So brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you from this psalm, let us fear the Lord. Let us grow in our knowledge of the Lord and His grace. And let us walk in obedience to Him. He is worthy of our fear and He is worthy of our obedience. And let this be motiva motivated not by fear, but also by His love and what he did for us, and how he blessed us in Christ in the heavens with every spiritual gift. And let us be thankful and humble before God's blessings in our lives. I also want to encourage you not to measure God's blessings with physical things. Remember the blessings that we have 
in Christ that are enough, believe me. But the Lord also, as we fear him and obey him, he extends these blessings to our present life as well. And this morning, I asked my wife, I told her, you know, we have an almost two-year son, and I told her, are you thinking or trying to imagine our grandchildren, how they will be? And she said, no, I'm too busy with thinking of our child and the one to come. But honestly, it's, it's nice to think of also the grandchildren. And so to think about how to prepare the way for them by training our children in the fear of the Lord. The last prayer in the psalm ends like this. After speaking and mentioning these blessings, the psalmist ends his psalm like this. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. Because God has saved us and has promised us, we will see the prosperity of Jerusalem, this, the holy city coming down from the heavens. We will experience that when Jesus comes again. This is... This is an absolute promise to all those who uh, trust in Christ. So let us read Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for this encouraging word. And thank you for every spiritual blessing that you have already blessed us with in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it is not because we deserve that, but it is because of your great love and mercy. So Lord, as we think of these spiritual blessings, let us also remember that there are also more blessings as we fear you and obey you in our present lives. So we pray that you grow us in your knowledge so that we grow in our obedience to you. Help us to be faithful men and women in our work. Help us to be faithful in our house, with our wives, with our husbands, with our spouses, and our children, so that we will see your blessings in our lives. Knowing that we deserve nothing, but you have gave us everything in Christ. Amen.